0: Hear the word of the Lord from the Gospel of Luke. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thanks.
1: You're good. You don't have to do it. Oh. Somebody's keys. Thank you. I feel like such a diva now after that. Um, Good morning. Uh, like Dodd said, my name is Britt. Um, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, today, we're gonna be going through Luke 1 as we continue through the beginning of Luke in our Advent series. Uh, like Dodd said earlier this morning, we are currently celebrating the season of Advent. Um, in this season, we long for and remember the coming of our Lord Jesus. We celebrate his first coming in great humility, lying in a manger, and we anticipate his second coming in glorious majesty. And I think that theme fits really well with our text today, mostly because at the center of the story is two pregnant women, Mary and Elizabeth. And I think pregnancy is a really good parallel for, for the season of Advent. Um, as we see in the story, there's already new life inside the womb of Mary and Elizabeth, uh, Jesus and, and John. And yet, they're also eagerly waiting the fulfillment of that pregnancy, meeting their children. Um, And so in the same way, in this Advent season, we celebrate the life of Christ that has come while we eagerly look forward to his return. And so I think this, um, just keep that in mind as we read through the text, uh, because I think it's appropriate for the season we're in. The text today is really formed of two sections. the first is when Mary visits Elizabeth at her house, and then the second is a song of praise that Mary sings um, after. So let's, let's dive back in, in in verse 39. It says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped into her womb. And so before we really dive in, I wanna remind you what we went through last week um, with Adam. Um, we, there we see Gabriel visiting Mary and he told her this. He said, behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And so that's kind of where our story takes off. And that's where we find Mary when, when the text tells her she leaves in haste to go visit Elizabeth. It doesn't exactly say why she leaves so quickly, um, but I think it's just most likely that she's heard this good news about her cousin and wants to rush to, to be there and celebrate with her. If, you, if you've ever walked with someone struggling through infertility, you know the excitement that comes when they get a, a positive pregnancy test and how you want to go and be there with them and celebrate. And so I think that's all we're seeing here is a Mary, Mary just wants to go see her cousin, um, and celebrate this good news with her. Um, It's it's interesting to note that it says, when Elizabeth hears the greeting from Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry. So just a note on the baby, uh, like we talked about last week, that's gonna be John the Baptist, right? And we see a foreshadowing of his ministry of leading the way and celebrating Jesus already when when he's in the womb. it's, it's the word here for greeting, it suggests that Mary doesn't even get to tell her that she's pregnant or that Gabriel visited her. You know, It's just like a quick hello. In fact, the same words used in Luke 20, uh, 46, which says, beware of the, the scribes who loves greetings in the marketplace. And so it's just a quick greeting. And so before she's really even got to tell her story, Elizabeth breaks out in a blessing. She says, Blessed are you among women. Um, That could also kind of be be translated, most blessed are you among women. Um, Elizabeth is is making the point here that Mary is blessed, um, not because of anything she has done, um, but because the the fact that she gets to share in the role in bringing Jesus into the world. Um, I also think it's important, uh, she says, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Um, So here she's implying that Jesus is the Lord uh, by calling Mary the mother of my Lord. And I think that's important because when you compare that to what she says in verse 45, that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her, that being Mary, from the Lord, she's equating the baby in Mary's womb with the the God who has delivered the message. So she is putting Jesus on the same level um, as, as God right here. And I think that that's a, um, it's something we'll see later in the gospel, that, but that's really the first time we consider that in in the gospel of Luke. Um, and again, this is all before Mary even gets to tell her about what Gabriel has has told her um, and the prophecy she's received. And so I wonder as we, we go into the later half if that's part of what's um, driving this this song, this song of praise that she has. Adam talked last week when Gabriel visited her that Mary considered it deeply, and so you know, how much more on top of this, as soon as she arrives to Elizabeth, that she's blessed um, and told the exact same thing. Um, But before we get um, into the next session, I just wanna stop on verse five for a little bit. Um, It says, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Um, We see um, last week that Mary with Gabriel, we saw her, her faith as an example. Um, And we see that, again, affirmed here by Elizabeth and the Holy Spirit through Elizabeth. Um, And so she's not just blessed for a role, that is part of the blessing, but it's also for her faith as well, um, that she believed that God would fulfill the message he had given her. Um, And I pray that we would just be a people like Mary, again, that we we would see her as an example, and we would trust that God is going to fulfill all his promises um, to us. Uh, so with that, I want to jump into the next, in the next section uh, where we see the speaker switch from really kind of Elizabeth to Mary, and she starts singing a praise. Um, this portion of Scripture is, is commonly called the Magnificat, if you've heard that word before. Um, that's just a fancy word from Latin for magnify, um, referring to verse 46 where Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord. So if you've ever heard of that, that's where it comes from. Um, but before we dive in, I just want to, I want to throw something out there. I can't dive too deep into it, but I do want to just maybe leave you with some homework this week. If you read 1 Samuel 2, uh, verses 1 through 10, it's a prayer by Hannah. That, and I think it's a very similar prayer that we see Mary uh, sing here in a minute. Um, and I think that that Luke and Mary are reporting back to, to Hannah and kind of showing that Mary is a new Hannah. Um, they're both given a child by the Lord. So Hannah was, was barren and, and God blessed her with a the child. Um, they both sing this, this song of praise um, in response to, to the child. Um, and the text is very similar. So if you look at verses three through eight of First uh, Samuel uh, chapter two and verses 50 through 53, there's a lot of similarities. Um, their sons will go on to be priests. So Hannah's son will become uh, the priest Samuel. Um, who ultimately anoints King Saul and King David. Um, and Jesus, we see, is, is a, a priest in the order of Melchizedek in Hebrews. Um, and their sons will both usher in a new kingdom in the line of David. So uh, Samuel was actually David, um, and then Jesus, who is in David's line. And so, again, I don't have a whole lot of time to really d- dive in, but I do want you to check that out, because I think that the similarities are very... Um, Just remarkable um, and encouraging. Um, And so with that, let's jump into kind of the Magnificat. You can break it into two to three parts. Um, The first portion is just Mary um, responding to God for what he's done to her. Uh, The second portion uh, talks about those who fear God. And then the third section is about Israel and God's faithfulness to them. Um, And so starting in, in verse 46 with the portion about Mary, it says this. And Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. This is the first time we we see it in Luke and, and honestly one of the few times we'll see it throughout the whole Bible that we get to see what, how Mary views her situation and, and what she thinks of what's going on. Um, and it's, it's impressive to see her response because her response is worship um, for, for God and how he's blessed her. And honestly, a humble um, just surprise that, that God would choose her and use her in that role. And so um, I think that's a helpful reminder for us. Um, first off, that God can use anyone. Um, he can use a, a young woman in Israel. Um, he can use anyone. He can use you and me. Um, and then second, that we should just take all that God has given us, um, knowing that it's from him and knowing that, that um, we're blessed for the role God has called us to fulfill in our lives. Um, and so if that's, you know, a surprise pregnancy like Mary, uh, maybe it's a surprise twin pregnancy. Um, yeah. <laughs> Or if it's just something else um, that you may not have known or wanted or planned in your life, um, and yet we can follow marriage posture um, and know that it's from God and that that He has called us to be in that role. Um, And then moving on to the next section, starting in verse um, 50, it says this, And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm, He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, and he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Uh, Like I said, this could potentially be combined with the next two verses, um, since at this point, really, to be a God-fearer was to be a person of Israel. Um, But I think there's enough difference that I want to kind of go through them separately. Um, and I really want to slow down because I think the theme we see in these verses are a theme we'll see throughout the book of Luke. Um, it's this theme that God's upside, ki- ah, it's a theme that God's kingdom is upside down, that it's not the, the proud and the rich that are going to be exalted. It's going to be the humble and the hungry. Um, and you, you can see this throughout the book of Luke. Um, in, in Luke chapter 6, we see Jesus say almost this exact same thing. Um, he says, um, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation and woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Right? So so Jesus is saying this exact same thing. And you can also see in Luke uh, chapter eight, where Jesus is talking about the parable of the sower. And he talks about the seed who falls amongst the thorns. um, And he says that that is a man who hears the word, but ultimately his faith is choked out by riches and the cares of the world. We also see in Luke 12 the rich man who builds a bigger barn to hold his, all his grain, his abundant grain, and says, now I will eat, drink, and be merry. And yet God calls him a fool and that very night he dies and he doesn't get to enjoy any of his, um, any of his wealth. In Luke 16 we see a rich man and Lazarus um, who Lazarus, who's a beggar outside his gate. And when they both die and we see them again and Lazarus is next to God and Abraham and the rich man is separated. Um, And I think most famously we see it in Luke 18. There's a there's a story about a rich young ruler who comes to see Jesus, um, but he walks away sad um, because um, he is unwilling to give up his possessions to follow Jesus. And so this is a theme that's going to come back again over and over and again in Luke. Uh, but I don't want you to think that the, the warning that Luke is giving is just that riches are bad or just that money itself is bad. Um, I, th- I don't think that's exactly what he's saying because this letter is most likely written to a rich man. Uh, the book starts off and says, it seemed good to me also, so me being Luke, to write an orderly count to you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you've been taught. So he's writing his whole book, um, both of Luke and Acts to this man that's probably a rich Roman man. And Luke being a doctor himself is probably a man of means. But I also think we can see this throughout the gospel of Luke as well. In Luke um, eight, we see rich women who travel around with Jesus and they use their money to support the ministry of Jesus. We see this in Luke 19 where a man named Zacchaeus, a tax collector, after encountering Jesus, gives away his money to the people that he cheated out out of their money. And we also see it in Luke 10 with the good Samaritan who uses his wealth to take care of the man he founds um, on the side of the road to Jericho. And so I I wanted to do that um, to look through because I think it's very important to get this point. Mary in these verses and Luke throughout the book, he's he is giving a warning to the rich. I, I want to be clear about that. But he's especially warning those who are rich and proud and who trust in those riches um, instead of God. Um, as Mary says, if you trust in your riches, it's gonna leave you empty. But if you have riches to use them, use them like we see Zacchaeus or the rich woman or the good Samaritan. Um, And I think it's real easy for me, probably for us, don't want to speak for everybody, to say, yeah, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, those guys are rich. Um, But I I want to remind us that I think all of us in here are probably rich. Uh, I was reminded of it this week. Um, We had the boil water notice, um, where for two days, we had to worry about where we were going to get our water for that day and was it safe to drink or not. And I looked it up and that's the daily reality for, for 770 million people, right? And so we, we are rich. Um, and so this is a warning for us too and I wanna take that to heart. Um, I, read, I read something this past week that I, I wanna mention. It's from a man named Matthew Loftus. He says this, nowadays there is a highway with guard wells running alongside the Jericho Road And to exclusively use that highway is to deliberately close ourselves off from the people God wants us to love. And so what he's saying here is the world and our society has made it really easy to not notice the people that Mary is talking about, the lowly, the hungry. He's saying there's a a metaphorical highway that that the rich can get on and never have to see what's happening on the road to Jericho. Um, And so we don't have to stop and think about that. Um, And so I think that's important for us to hear. Um, I I wish I had an easy answer or a good answer. I'm going to tell you I don't. Uh, I don't think it's an easy problem to solve in general, Uh, but I don't think that means we should shy away from it. I think it's something we should think about. Um, And and here at Sojourn, I just want to remind you, one of the ways we we want to do this is by partnering with people that we already see doing work in these areas. Um, and so, you know, in the last couple of weeks, we've had the Riverside Project up here. We've had every shelter up there. And again, want to encourage you um, to reach out to Scott or Megan to find out how you can, how you can step in there, because I think it's a, a calling that we have, and it's the work that God's doing and the work we can come, or, come alongside Him uh, to do. And again, just as we kind of wrap up this portion, I just wanna emphasize, the point here is not whether riches are good and bad. The point is how we use them and who we put our, who we put our trust in. Putting your trust and your hope and your riches is only gonna leave you empty in the end, Mary says. And so let's rather put our hope and trust in Jesus and use our riches to that end. Um, and so lastly, we're gonna dive into the last section about Israel, it says, starting in verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And when I first read this passage, I kind of didn't realize how these two verses really fit in with, what, with everything else that was going on. But I think if you take um, a step back and put yourself in the place of Mary or an Israelite at this time, it's been 400 years since you've heard from God. And at this point, um, you have to wonder, are they thinking, has, has God forgotten me? Has he forgotten us? Uh, we haven't heard from him. Does he even still care? But Mary is reminding us that, that he hasn't forgotten, even though it may seem like it, God hasn't forgotten Israel. In fact, he's doing a work with them, with her and Elizabeth, that's gonna bring true freedom that Israel's never had um, through, through their sons, um, and ultimately Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And so I, w- I want to take a moment to say, if, if that's you, if you're in a similar place and you're wondering, has God forgotten me? Has he, has he not answered maybe a prayer that you have, a prayer for a spouse, a child, a job, for reconciled relationships with friends or family, or for anything else that you prayed? I want to say that he he hasn't forgotten you. He sees you. Um, He may not answer your prayer in the way that you hope for, uh, but that doesn't mean that he hasn't forgotten you. And he will ultimately meet your needs in the same way that he'll meet Israel's um, through Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1 says, for all the promises of God find their yes in Christ Jesus. And so on that note, I want to come back to verse 52. 52, um, to kind of wrap everything up, verse 52 says this, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Like I said, this is God's upside down plan for the future. Um, And we will see that throughout um, history as, as God works in it, but it's about to be fulfilled in the very baby that Mary is carrying here. Jesus will be born, in a manger, as a baby, in a small town, a small backwater town called Nazareth. And he's ultimately gonna get put to death in the most humbling way possible, on a cross between two thieves. And yet, Mary's song will be fulfilled. Philippians 2, eight through 10 says this, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every ten confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is our, our true example in this Advent season. Like I said, we can rejoice in his coming as a humble man, his death, his resurrection, and all that has brought us, while we also wait and long for him to come in glory. And in the meantime, in this already but not yet time, we can follow his pattern of humility, um, the fact that he laid down his riches um, to become a man, um, and trust in the life that that God has for us. So may we um, follow Jesus as our example in this Advent season. Please pray with me. Father, Make us humble like Mary. God, that we will see your will and your plans for us in this life as a blessing. May we notice and exalt the lowly and feed the hungry and join in the work you you are doing here. May we not hope in our riches or abilities, but in the life, death, and resurrection of your Son. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.